These are the sounds of my commute. It's the end of the day. I'm heading home. I have a desk at a co-working space. It's a place called La Maquinita. It's in the center of Cordoba, which is the city in Argentina where my family and I live. It's about a 15 to 20 minute walk from my apartment. Picture a South American city, tall apartment and office buildings everywhere. There's a fountain outside my office building on this big plaza where people gather at the end of each day and they're hanging out, sharing yerba mate. It's a big mix of people. There's families with little kids, college students, a couple friendly stray homeless dogs. Nice wide sidewalks all the way home. And as I walk, I pass bars and restaurants. They're often playing music. There's also these motorbikes whizzing by. They're delivery drivers, and they have these backpacks on that double as ice chests. It's the end of the day, and the sun is drooping between the buildings, and you know, it's like 90 degrees. It's the middle of summer, so all the people walking around are kind of drooping as well. And th- this is what it sounds like. Only on most days, I'm not listening to the city as I walk. I almost always have my headphones in, and I'm listening to a podcast or an audiobook. This week, I've been listening to a book called The Dance of the Possible. If you like this podcast, you'll probably be into this audiobook. It's all about creativity. It's by an author named Scott Birkin. Oh, yeah, and uh, most days I'll stop at one of the vegetable shops or butcher shops to get something to go with it. Anyway, you can pick up a copy of Scott Birkin's book, The Dance of the Possible, or really any other audiobook for that matter, from Libro FM. Libro FM is sponsoring one thing real quick, and so because you're a listener to this show, you can use the offer code OTRQ and get two free audiobooks when you purchase one. That's three books for the price of one. I genuinely love this company. See, when I bought this audiobook, it's almost like I bought it from one of my favorite bookstores back in Seattle, Washington. That's because whenever you make any purchase from Libro FM, they kick a portion of the sale to a local small business that you pick, a, a local bookstore. It's the same audiobooks and the same price as a place like Audible, only it's like you're shopping at your favorite local bookstore, and that's a pretty good deal for everyone. So check it out. Go to Libro.fm, use the offer code OTRQ, and get two free audiobooks. And stop listening to the sounds of your own city. <laughs> Maybe listen sometimes. All right. Looks like I'm home. Episode six of One Thing Real Quick is beginning now. We're just going to get right into it. Thinking about it. And I met the producer of 30 Rock. Um, you know, asked him for a job right there in the spot. He gave, he gave me one. Um, and I, and I was started on season. How did that, how did that go? Oh, I, it's a weird story. I, um, uh, I was at Best Buy. You're listening to and, a guy named James Best. Uh, oh, oh, He's yeah. an uh, Emmy nominated comedy writer. He's worked on all kinds of stuff, including 30 Rock, which he's about to tell us how he got that job. This is, I guess, his origin story. 
So let me set the stage a little bit here. It's 2007. James and his wife are living in New York City. He's doing improv and he's teaching creative writing as an adjunct professor, both of which pay more in pats on the back than they do in money. So they both decide to get seasonal jobs. It's around the holidays. And James finds himself working at Best Buy. Back to James. Other place. And we're like, cool. And so I've like, been there a month and I like, don't care about this job. And this guy walks up and he's like, hey, what do I, I need a case for an iPhone. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, he's like, does it fit? And like, I have no idea. So I start ripping open packages and he's like, are you supposed to do that? And I'm like, I literally have no idea. And so he's like sort of laughing at my, <laughs> like, he's like, you know, he's just sort of laughing at the situation that I'm like. So while he's destroying me. phone yeah. packaging, someone walks up to James's customer and starts up a conversation and he overhears them talking about the writer's strike. How's the writer's strike? And he's like, oh, you know, hopefully we, our show comes back. He gives him a hug. And, and so I was like, well, sure. yeah, yo, you, have a, you work for a TV show? And he's like, yeah, I produced a show. Uh, hopefully we're coming back. It's called 30 Rock. You know, and it, like they, they just had two seasons of it. And luckily he turned away from me like at this point because my mouth dropped open. Like, a, like an iPhone package held by a seasonal retail worker your mouth is just agape <laughs> it is agape i am you know i'm in in shock and being ripped open but you know it's opportunity that so and so and so he turns back and i compose myself and like and i just and i get the situation i just kind of go for it and i was like hey i love your show i'm trying to figure out how to get in tv would you give me any job the lowest rung job i don't care whatever it is i just want to like i want to figure it out and he's like all right, yeah. Here's my assistant's number. Give him a call. Here's his email. Like, and uh, hopefully, if we come back, you know, we can get a job in the fall. And I was like, all right. Okay, so, so no spoilers yeah, here. Thirty Rock came back. The writer strike ended, and Thirty Rock was incredibly successful. It ran a total of seven seasons, earned a ton of awards, and uh, one of those being that it's still one of my favorite comedies. After doing a bunch of grunt work, James worked on a handful of writing projects for the show, including some social media work. He wrote the characters' tweets. He also wrote for the show's web series. But most importantly, James got his start in television writing. Now, if you're currently trying to break into film or TV, this is the kind of story in which you may find yourself shaking your fists at the heavens, asking, why so random? But uh, slow down, because later in the episode, James will tell us another story. A story where balance in the fairness of the universe is, I guess, kind of restored. A time when someone else who held the keys to a door that could change his fate appeared before him and James totally blew it. <laughs> so stay tuned or as Liz Lemon might say you'll want to go to there. <laughs> I really do love that show. This week my question is for James Best. It's all about failure and its role in his creative process. My name is Evan McDonald and you're listening to One Thing Real Quick. It's a podcast where each week we explore a single question, a 
about creativity with a guest who knows just how to answer it. This week, Emmy-nominated television writer James Best. Let's get back to the interview. From there, I got into TV development. I uh, started, uh-huh. started uh, uh, creating shows for different um, production companies and studios. Uh, did some um, started working at VH1, punching up scripts and writing comedy there. Um, uh, started writing jokes and uh, game show ideas for Billy on the Street, and then okay. um, from there, um, yeah, uh, started doing advertising and TV both. And then I uh, ended up at Nickelodeon doing um, I worked on Welcome to the Wayne, which was a new animated comedy show, and. Uh, and I uh, was nominated for Emmy for it. Nice. Yeah. So from Best Buy package destruction <laughs> to an Emmy nomination for a show on Nickelodeon. Yep. Yep. So <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's how I do it. No, I just the, destroy everything in my path until I get what I want. So yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm gonna write that down and make uh, life, make one of those pretty quotes. Life advice. To put on my wall yeah. an inspirational quote: Destroy everything in your path until you get what you yes, want. Yes. So that's that's there. There it is, kids. Now, now you got it. You wrote for two seasons two of The Wayne. Yep. So we did two seasons, and then Nickelodeon went through a big shift, and they axed a bunch of their shows. And The Wayne, unfortunately, was one of them. Um, and so, uh, so I went back to TV development, and I've been. I imagine that yeah. that's one of those things where there's lots of rejection, um, and every once in a while something gets picked up. Is that kind of the the name of the game? It's funny because it, when I tell people I work in TV development, like to the layperson, it sounds so sexy. It's a really long process. A lot of things go nowhere, you know. Because the thing is that statistically, most of it goes nowhere, right? Like, yeah. But the funny thing is that there, you know, you just need one yes. It's like serial dating. When someone says yes, then you win. Everything up to it, like that's just experience. It works because because you're always sort of building on it, but. It's hard to say if you're failing or you're or you're winning or or you're just waiting to win. Who knows? <laughs> well, it's so to kind of connect this to my experience as a graphic designer. Whenever I speak with students, and you know, like a, a design student is, you do like three or four projects a year, and everything goes into your portfolio, and then you get out into your career, and one out of twenty things ever sees the light of day. Everything else just goes in the garbage. And so for the first year of my career, I just felt like all I'm doing is making garbage. But, you know, you made the one thing and it got used and then you kind of get used to that. And so it sounds like working in TV, you're dealing with the same thing. It's you make a ton of stuff and a very small percentage ever sees the light of day. But you kind of just have to make that enormous pile of work oh absolutely i mean stephen king has a great analogy where he talked about he had this a board and a nail and he would just like put all his pages like he would just like shove them through this nail right and then once the nails fold up you know then basically the real work would start absolutely it's like the work yep. before the work i've spent i like he put my whole self into certain projects and they went nowhere and then i like banged out something in one night people were like oh it's oh my gosh so brilliant that's it and you're like cool yeah. i'm so glad <laughs> like so glad this is the thing well so this is this is my question i i have 
you know, as you know, a one question for each guest. How does failure fit into your creative process? Um, I, I think it defines all the negative space in my process. Um, everything that I succeed at is, is surrounded by the weight of the failure that has been around it. People don't see that failure, and it's because I hide it, because I have all that I have to show them is was what has been created out of it. And I think that, yeah. and that is purposeful, and it's also my, my greatest teacher. Do you think failure is a bad thing? Is it something that you want to see less of, or are you okay with it? Uh, Ira Glass said once that when you first start out in the, in the art field, you, um, most of what you're writing is bad, or most of what you're, whatever you're creating is bad. And every once in a while, yeah. you get something that's good. And you keep doing it because at a certain point, the good starts outweighing the bad. It doesn't mean you stop doing bad things, but the thing is that you're doing is that you're start, start making so much good, every once in a while you hit great. And that's what I'm always going for, is that I don't care about failing, I just am trying to get to great. Um, yeah. So it sounds like part of what you're saying, part of what we are both saying, is that failure is inevitable. It's a, it's a part of any creative work. You're going to fail. It's going to happen. So how do you adapt to a world of failure and not let that destroy your soul and your prospects of creating good work eventually? Potentially, is it possible to use failure as a fuel to create new things that are not going to fail? When I first got to New York and I taught creative writing, um, I would give my students this assignment. It's called the worst piece of crap in the world. <laughs> and the idea was people don't know what is good and bad. They, or or ab- absolutely they, they do. Intrinsically they know. But it's hard sometimes to make like sort of like a criteria up front and tell them like. Yeah. And so what I would do is I would make them fail right away. I would have them write the worst thing they've ever written. And they would and they deliciously just dive in and just like create garbage. And then they would bring it in and read it in front of everybody. Um, and so they'll also fail that way. They, they have to be judged by being a failure right away. That's their first assignment. And it was, yeah. it's really therapeutic because also the first thing we would do is we would figure out where it failed and we would make our own rubric, right? We'd make it on the board and be like, well, here's how we all failed at this, right? This is how we, you know, and then from there, the rubric was what we decided everything on for the rest of, you know, the rest of the class. And so, um, yeah. Well, and this is an interesting take because we sometimes we use the phrase defining success. Yeah. But what you're saying is you can reach success by defining your failure so that you know what to avoid. I think sometimes we come at everything in this way that we go, well, yeah, like what's a really good idea for it? But I feel... Sometimes sort of like, you know, like you're just like kind of solving for X, but like the thing is like it's it's equally good to solve for not X. Yeah. And it's a very, you know, like to start another way, I, I, I do this with, um, I'm, you know, deeply involved in sketch writing right now. And, and so, and I look and go like, well, this would be a good idea for a sketch, but like, what's the hardest sketch to write? And how to make this a mess? And out of this, I, uh, weird beauty like comes out of it like strange things that I wouldn't do you know um, yeah and I think there's something about that that it, it does spark things you know it sparks things you wouldn't necessarily 
tend, tend towards. And I think some of your best stuff comes out of that. I, I think absolutely. Well, and I've re- I wrote that down. Solve for not X. Yeah. There's another inspirational poster. You yeah. know, destroy everything in your path until you get what you want and solve for not X, yeah. which very, I genuinely think are, are great ideas. Very quotable. Uh, epigrammical. So one last question. I, I just have to ask. Do you have – is there like a biggest failure, something that really stands out as your biggest failure of your writing career? It – a fail, there was a failure in my life that was like felt so big that it defined me from that moment on. So um, early on, I, I just started in TV. I was at, I was at Thirty Rock. Um, this friend of mine from LA, like you know, um, came out to New York and he's like, "Let's go out and party." Like, and I'm hanging out with my, my my buddy, and then like this other guy he's brought with him, right? And that goes on and that goes on. I'm telling jokes, or whatever, and this guy finally like reveals that he's like this big time agent. For like for writers and comedians, and in some ways I'm like mad at my friend because like why didn't you tell me like why didn't you prep me for this? And so suddenly I'm even, you know I'm really putting on the charm, and and then he looks at me and he goes, you know what? You are hilarious. You are one of the funniest people I've ever met. Make him blame alcohol for that a little bit, but like don't blame. You mean thank alcohol? I get, right? Yeah, we, yeah. Sorry, we can thank alcohol on his end. Like I'm I'm not one of the funniest people <laughs> in the world. I'm a lot funnier. Um, on, you know, other end of a, of a beer glass, I think. So anyway, so he's, he's like, I would love to sign you. He's like, give me your script packet. I would love, love to read it. I'm like, I'm sure like, it's just as funny as you are. And I was like, yeah, this is the moment. This is it. And I, and I said to him, yeah, see, I'm, I'm, I'm between script packets right now because I'm just kind of writing. I have a lot of ideas I've written down. I'm not, I don't have like full scripts right now. And he looked at me and he looked her in the eye, he pointed at me and said, and I'm, and I'm editing this, and he said, F you, you're wasting my time. And did not sign me, did not want any follow-up. And, I, and I, I left from there and I was mad. I was so mad at him. I was like, you know what? I'm brilliant. I'm funny. And I thought he was being so unfair. You know, like, I'm just starting out. I don't have stuff yet. And then I realized he's right. I was not professional. I should have been ready for that moment. Things maybe would have started earlier for me if I'd been ready for that moment, if I'd taken it seriously and had a script packet. Like I knew I should have. I'm a writer. I'm a comedy writer. I should have a script packet. I should have things to show him. And I failed. And that moment was like, was so raw for me and I and I regretted it so much that like I've never. But also so instant. Like. Instant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. And I've never not been ready. Like, he, he didn't give me a sort of like, yeah, get it together, kid, and like send me some stuff. No, he was like, I can tell that you're not professional. I'm a professional. And you offend me. You offend that I reached out and asked you something and you, you offended me. I was not ready. And I've never not been ready since. Well, can, can, I just, can I just contrast? You had these two, you've, so far you've shared these two experiences. One, with getting a job at, at uh, at Thirty Rock, the the experience that happened at Best Buy, and then this one that happened in the bar with this uh, talent guy. Do you think that the good luck and the good fortune of that first experience uh, maybe impacted the way in which you handled yourself in the second experience? Maybe. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I was if I was cocky as much as I like. I mean. You know, like I was, I was pretty dedicated to comedy writing. You know, at 30, I mean, like I, I would take home every single version of every script. I 
may still have one of the only collections of season three and four scripts of like every version, every printed version. Like I, 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 I have these like boxes of them. And because I would study them like they were like a you know, comedy Bible, I would just like, you know, see the changes, figure out why they change it. Yeah. I was a student of comedy. I just, you know, like I hadn't made that next step. I wasn't taking it seriously in the way that I should. It, it just, I just understood then that I needed, I needed to make this something more. And I, and I actually like quit doing improv comedy in New York at that point too. Like I was like, I need to spend less time doing other stuff and I need to spend more time just writing. Like I was like, I just cut out you everything else. Focus like, your work. I love performing. I love the stuff. And like, but I was like, I need more time. I need more time to, you know, I, I need to have a packet ready. And, and like you said, like, you know, writing two scripts is not a packet. Like, writing ten scripts and finding two good scripts out of it, that's a packet. <laughs> like, and so... Yeah, you've got to slog through the bad stuff to get to the good. <laughs> James, thanks so much for joining us today. If people want to follow along with the work that you're doing or hear epigrams from you, how can they do that? Um, my handles are always the same. I'm... Uh, James Best the fourth, and so it's always James Best IV on, on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or um, and my my website. You know, I'm updating right now is uh, freejamesbest.com. Um, that kind of houses both my my TV work and my like advertising work. We'll put links to all that on the show notes. So if people want to follow James, I have to say the Wayne. I didn't watch a lot of it, but I saw a couple episodes, and it was fantastic. I'm really sad that it didn't get carried on to another season and i think if i think if listeners go i'll put a link to this i think if you go to nickelodeon if you do a search for the wayne you can watch the pilot for free or you can find that show on itunes or other places where you can download and purchase tv shows james i look forward to the next time we get a chance to talk cool it'll be fun we'll see let's do it again A big thank you once again to James for taking the time to talk with me about failure. You know, James and I didn't discuss this, but in our conversation, we talked about two different kinds of failure. There's the creation of unsuccessful ideas, which honestly, these are not really failures. These are just steps in the creative process. And sometimes we may be tempted to see this kind of failure in a negative way, but we should stop that stop that kind of thinking because it's part of the process and it's how we get to creative success. Now, the other kind of failure, like the story James told us about the talent scout in the bar, that's definitely failure. And just like James told us, we can actually avoid that kind of failure by being prepared. So keep that in mind. And let's not confuse the first story that James shared with us about getting the job at 30 Rock. Let's not confuse that with success. That's just luck. And uh, although luck is not evenly distributed, I wish all of you the best of luck in all your creative endeavors, if there is such a thing as luck. All right, a big thanks to all of you listening, and an even bigger thanks to everyone who has taken the time to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening That's a huge help for the show. It helps people find it. So thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, go subscribe. And don't forget to share the show. Maybe you know someone who feels like things are moving a little too slowly. 
Maybe they feel like they're in a constant state of failure and they could use a little encouragement. Send them this episode. Or maybe you know someone who, from your perspective, has only had success. Send this over to them and maybe it'll spark a conversation. I'll bet they have some failure stories that they would be willing to share with you as well. Thanks to our sponsor, Libro FM. You can get two free audiobooks when you purchase one with the offer code OTRQ. That's the initials for the podcast. One thing real quick, OTRQ. And supporting the sponsor supports the show. And it gets you some good deals while you're at it. So go do that. One thing real quick is an independent podcast. It's produced and recorded and edited and mixed and everything by me, Evan McDonald. All music for the show by me as well. You can tweet at me at Evan McDonald, or you can send me an email. You can find my contact info on the website, onethingrealquick.com. And while you're at onethingrealquick.com, you can find more info about each guest that has been on One Thing Real Quick, including detailed show notes, information about James Best, this week's guest. I've got links up to his social media if you'd like to follow him. Also a link to go check out the pilot to The Wayne and links to view the rest of the series if it piques your interest. It's a pretty good show. Check that out. I think I'm done talking for now. So until next week, thanks. James, one last thing before I let you go. What are you reading? I am doing a year of just reading poetry. That's what I decided. So, and because Mary Oliver nice. just died, I'm I'm reading um, her book Dream Work uh, right now. Yep. Great. We'll check that out as well. Cool.